It could be cars. It could be clothing. It could be vacations. Pick your thing. It could be eating out. It could be going out. Realize that if you do more of your thing, you'll get to do less of other things. You cannot have the nicest car, the best vacation, you know, the Instagram worthy vacation, right? You can't have the the fanciest shoes, the fanciest food and all that sort of stuff in most people's budgets. So you have to be able to sort of be honest with yourself and define that. Save and then spend. Hi, everyone. It's Marcy Bullock. Welcome back to season three of Wolfpack Career Chats, the anchor season. A, ambition. N, networking. C, compassion. H, health, both mental and physical. O, organization. And R, resilient. Enjoy the pod. Welcome Wolfpack fans. This is Marcy Bullock and I'm so happy that Melissa Hart is joining us today to talk about money, 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 money. Hi, Melissa. Hello. Welcome to class. Would you start off today by telling a little bit about yourself and why I invited you to speak? Yes. Uh, So I actually started my career out in accounting, but um, I transitioned to finance and specifically personal finance over the last few years. And um, really, my goal is to help disseminate as much information as I can about personal finance, because I really think that it's essential and important for uh, our college students and our economy as a whole. So that's sort of my job in a nutshell. And I love having you come because you're such an expert in this area and students enjoy your tips so much. So we'll jump right in with the first thought that you would like to offer to Wolfpack students, which is what is your top tip for budgeting in your first job after graduation? You've worked hard, you got your offer, you accepted it, day one starts. Yeah, so the my top tip actually is to, this is going to be really hard for everyone, but try to live like a college student still. Because that really sets the tone for you can slowly let off the let a little bit of the money out of the bag. But, you know, if you live like a college student initially, you want to be much better off with, you know, paying down your debts, not incurring a lot more debts, because a lot of people, believe it or not, actually want to go to graduate school. And so if it's harder to go to graduate school, if you've got a car payment, a house payment, you know, things like that, that can uh, really take a big chunk out of your budget. So try to live like a college student in that first year. Oh man, you're taking all the air out of our tires here, (laughs) but it's a good tip. It's a good tip because I know personally, I wish I would have done that. I've made a lot of mistakes along the way in my life as an adult, trying to have enough money for all the things I want. Have you made any mistakes, Melissa? And what did you learn from them? Well, yeah, I've made a a handful of mistakes, probably more than a handful, but um, one that really comes to mind is that um, I am a car person. I love cars. Uh, growing up, my, my parents actually uh, restore old cars. They race cars. And I have always been a car person. So I actually found a car that I was absolutely in love with. And it was a two-door little red sports car that I had to have. Now, the one thing that I had not factored into this decision was the fact that I was, at the time, three months pregnant. 
when I became nine months pregnant, it was really, really hard to get in and out of that little red two-door sports car. And then trying to put a car seat in the back, I thought my, <laughs> I literally had to put my child in the trunk. So um, it, seemed, it wasn't quite that bad, but it seemed that way. So I had to trade in my little red sports car for a four-door sedan car. And I drove that four-door sedan car for a very long time and it just hurt my heart. So, you know, I need to get back to my little red sports car, but I haven't done it yet. Oh, maybe it's coming in the future. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. That's that's a great story. And you learned from that. Uh, what would you say is the magic lesson? The, the magic lesson is take inventory of your whole life instead of that sort of one shining moment that you feel like, you know, oh, this is the car of my dreams. It really was. Um, it was a nice little car for about two or three months until things got more exciting. But, you know, you really, when you're making a financial decision, you do have to think more long-term. That's sort of the take-home message. Absolutely. And you mentioned a little bit about your, your upbringing and your, your parents were, were helping you out when you were moving into getting this car. How do you think your upbringing informed your approach to money today? I think it made a big impact on um, my overall view towards money. A big thing with my upbringing, actually, my parents divorced very young and when I was very young and they were young as well, too. And, um, they, I actually was raised by my mother. She was a single mother for a very long time until she married my stepfather. But um, one of the things that was really was very clear to me was how little money we had. My mom actually worked two jobs and her second job was at a diner and I would meet her in the evenings to have dinner with her. Well, at, I think she tried to hide from me that that was actually how we were going to eat. And the lady at the diner was kind enough to, to help us. And um, so, but it really sort of made, paved the path for actually education. And I would, I always told myself, I never want to struggle like that because it was, it, I, it took a big toll on her. Uh, she actually didn't actually purchase her first home until she was almost 50 years old. And wow. so it took a, it was a significant toll on her financially and uh, she did the best that she could, but it really set the tone for me. I was yeah. like, I never want to have that. You have worked really hard to to make sure that didn't happen. And, and how proud I'm sure she is of you with all your success as a professor here. Well, let's let's think about, you know, life and partners and making decisions. What kind of advice do you have when students are thinking about a life partner? And you know what I mean? Figuring out all the money stuff. It's important. It's really important. And I mean, I'm not saying day one, date one, you don't ask what their credit score is. But, you know, maybe a little later on, um, you know, realize that you, you're taking that whole entire person, good, bad and everything else. And so, you know, you're you might be taking on their debt. The other thing, too, is that you if you say you consider yourself a saver and you are in a relationship with somebody who is a spender, your habits might rub off on them a little bit but their habits might run off, uh, you know, come off on you as well. So keep that in mind, you know, you're a blended unit at that point. And so, you know, you've got potentially their debt 
and potentially a little bit more of their habits. And a lot of people that, um, there's an example that comes to mind, actually, um, I'm glad my uh, sister-in-law isn't watching this, but uh, my, uh, when my sister-in-law met my brother-in-law, um, he had a, a car loan, but he was underwater. And so what does that mean? It means that basically the value of the car was less than the value of what he owed on it. And that's considered underwater. And, um, and, and I don't even know how it came up, but I said, you know, gosh, you know, he seems like he's not very good with money and they have struggled through their whole entire married life with money because he is such a spender, such a spender. So, you know, she, and she is such a saver and they both habits can rub off, but so make sure hopefully the better ones do. You're so right. We actually had a, a speaker on the podcast, Audrey Giannini, and she spoke about how that is the number one challenge and struggle that couples have is around finances. So it's important to talk about it, to get the conversation lines open. We're going to move on to some students who have some great questions. First up is Amy. Amy, what is your question? And please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Amy Salceda. I'm a senior here at NC State. I'm majoring in social work and have a minor in psychology. And my question was, what methods should you use to begin to pay off debt? So that's a great question. And one one that comes up a lot for uh, students that are in college. Uh, I I sort of ascribe to the the, uh, idea that you kind of list out whatever debt you have, whether it be school loans, credit cards, even personal loans that you owe to family members, things like that, figure out which, where the interest rates are. So, you know, you want to go for the one that actually has the highest interest rate first, because that's going to save you the most amount of money over time. And so, you know, it might be that your school loans have a higher interest rate, or it might be that the credit cards probably are going to have the higher interest rate. Work on focusing on paying those off. You still got to make the minimum payments on everything else, but focus on paying off the higher interest rates uh, loans first, because that's going to help you get ahead further on because you'll save a lot of money over time. Excellent question, Amy. I know a lot of people are wondering about that. Next up is Cameron. You have a question. Yes. Hey, I'm Cameron McCoy, and I'm a senior here at NC State. I'm majoring in business administration with a concentration in supply chain and operations. I plan on pursuing a career in either one of these paths. And my question was, do you recommend any financial resources like an app or a website in terms of education just on investing and everything financial? Well, Cameron, you're in my neck of the woods then. You're over here in Nelson Hall. So uh, hello. Well, you're actually physically not in Nelson, I can see. But (laughs) um, yeah, there are a lot of resources for financial information. Some of them I think are a little bit better than others. Um, I'm a huge fan of Mint. I think they do a really good job of sort of helping with budgeting as far as education, I, I, I love your textbook. Your textbook that you have for this class is fabulous. So to kind of, it, it, it hits right at the right age range because there are lots of, of financial uh, resources out there that aren't really geared to 
college students. It are, it's geared to 40 year olds and 50 year olds. And so I think that it's very, very important to have things that are geared to your age as you sort of move up. So I think Mint does a very good job. Um, I also recommend any, well, there's a couple of investing apps that are very good. Charles Schwab is one of them. It's a very cheap in, uh, investing app or, uh, for the trades, but they also have a lot of educational components in them that you can learn about investing as well. Wonderful ideas. I've yeah, thank you. Great question, William. And I, I love the um, Cameron goes by William or goes by Cameron. I love the idea that we're already thinking about um, apps and things that are, are really handy for us to use. And you mentioned the book we use in this class, which is the Beth Kobliner book. So we're getting a lot of really great information by taking uh, USC 401. Gavin, you have a question all the way into the future. I love that you're thinking ahead. Yes. Hey, my name is Gavin Thomas, and I'm a uh, business administration major with a co concentration of finance. I'm actually taking your personal finance class right now, um, and I'm hoping to get into real estate investment. And my uh, question was going with like Roth IRA and like how what percentage of your like income should you consider putting in a Roth just because like once you put it away, like you really can't touch it until you uh, retire. So it is kind of like a risk there. Like if you do need the money, like it's going to be gone until you do retire. So that was my question really with that. Well, Gavin, that is actually something that you will come up to uh, eventually when you uh, depend in our course, we haven't gotten to retirement planning yet. So you're like, wait, what do I do about this retirement money? So one of the things that I want you to think about is sort of like, I realize you can't touch the money with the Roth. There are some outs to that. You know, it's there's five years from now, you can actually take a little bit of money out, but I don't ever want you to take money out of the, your retirement accounts because that's going to make a difference later on. Um, I, the goals, we're going to talk actually in just a little bit about something called the 50-30-20 rule. And they basically sort of outline some good parameters about how much to save. And so it is recommended for your goals and your savings that you save at least 20% of your take-home income. I would split that up, especially starting out, because you really need an emergency fund. And so I would focus on getting that emergency fund as set as you can, because let me tell you, emergencies do happen every single day. And so you want to get that emergency fund lined up and then really start focusing on your Roth IRA. Because if you do it the other way, you might have a, cha a chance that you need that money. So, you know, if you have that emergency fund in the way, then you won't need it, need that money until retirement. I know retirement's really, really far away. And it gets here faster than you think. I'm just telling you. I'm not there yet, but I'm pretty sure it does. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, Gavin, I'm glad you mentioned that class. So, Melissa, can people outside of the Pool College of Management take the class? And if so, how do they enroll? They're getting ready to think about their next semester. And many of our students haven't graduated yet. Right. So I actually teach two classes. I teach Business 225, which is available to anybody across campus. If you're thinking about it and you're a graduating senior, get there quick. 
that one fills up. But I will tell you in the spring, we're actually going to offer two sections of 100 people each. So they have expanded it a little bit. So that's a good thing. Um, I, I also teach another class that's business 425. So it's BUS 225 and BUS 425. 425 is reserved for college management students. And that's more of the, I'll call it personal finance on steroids. We do um, investing. We do um, uh, insurance. We do retirement planning. We do estate planning. And um, so, yes, it, it's uh but the 225 is available to everyone. Very good. Very good classes. Next up is Grace D. I love, Grace, that you're already thinking about buying a home. Hi, my name is Grace Doner. I'm a senior at NC State. Um, I'm currently majoring in communication with a concentration in public relations, but I don't really want to do anything with my major. I want to work in um, inside sales for a software company. Um, but my question is, what is the best way to start preparing to purchase a home um, besides raising credit scores? So down payment, um, saving percentage of a paycheck and kind of deciding how much house you can afford. And then also follow up question, is it better to buy a home or rent? That's a, a lot. Well, we need to do a whole class on this, Grace. So let me see what I can give you in a nutshell. Um, so we are in an unprecedented time for housing prices. In fact, um, I was just reading an article this morning uh, in the Wall Street Journal that was talking about how house prices have exceeded the appraisal values in, in many markets, including the Raleigh area, lots, lots of big markets, uh, especially along the coast. And what that means is that you go and you want to buy a house and you're having to bid against other people. And so they say the price is $250,000 and you're like, oh, well, I really love this house. It had the best view, the the greatest granite countertops I've ever seen, all this great things. And so people are bidding up to maybe 300,000 for that house. And then the appraisals are coming in and the appraisers are saying it's not worth 300,000. So you need to be aware of that because what ends up happening is if you still want the house and say the appraisal did come in at that 250 and you offered 300,000, what they're saying is that if you accept that offer, and go forward with it, you have to come up with an extra $50,000 right off the top. Most people, when they're buying a house, are not going to have $50,000 just sitting in the little coin jar. So, you know, you what I really think that at this moment, at this moment, until things kind of start to calm down just a little bit, I think renting actually it's rare that I'll say this, but it's renting is actually a little bit better just to see where the bubble's going to go, especially in the Raleigh market. Now, there are actually um, cities across the nation that are, are having a lot of people that are exiting and they're offering, this is unbelievable to me, they're offering incentives for people to move there. Like, for example, I think it was Kansas City is offering $10,000 for anybody who wants to move there. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, what a great opportunity. Um, and if they're offering that incentive, that means those prices for those houses are going to be a little bit lower as well. So, but sort of adding to the question that Gavin had, I want you to do the emergency fund first, then look at your next savings goals, whether it be buying a car, buying a house, 
And then we're all of a sudden now at our Roth retirement. So, you know, 20% is the recommended. If you've got a lot of goals in mind, you can always increase that percentage, but, you know, never decrease below 20% and always get that emergency fund in place because it, it will save you, especially buying a house. The first house that I, I bought actually was uh, a brand new house. And I never realized how expensive it was to put window coverings up until I had to literally like buy blinds for all of those windows. I walked in and was like, oh, this is bright and sunny and great. It's not so nice at 10 o'clock at night when everybody's looking at you and it's a fishbowl. So you got to like put all that stuff on those window coverings. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Great tips. We're at time. Oh my gosh. Time went by so fast. Class, let's give a big thank you to Melissa Hart. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.